0: Welcome back to Classic Breakdown. It's been a little while, and um, you know, obviously, I've been um, digging a bunker um, in the back garden uh, due to the uh, the slightly contentious aspects relating to the American uh, election, um, still to be decided. Uh, still, um, you know, working out uh, working out the. Um, the votes the numbers the the way numbers what sequence they are what a vote looks like what a dead person looks like what a you know what a bit of software looks like how it works and um you know what you put in the brazier at three in the morning to keep warm (coughs) i don't know is it biden is it trump is it trump is it biden is one a good guy is one a bad guy is one a bad guy one a good guy who knows who knows Uh, i don't know and um but it does seem that, um, you know, the media shouldn't be the people, perhaps, to call it. They seem like the last people you would want to decide on any aspect of life these days. And, um, you know, so count again, have another look, and, um, you know, may the best man win. If there is a best man between them, you know, they they in total years they add up to 332 Um or 333 possibly but um you know they are you know wise wise men i'm sure both of them and a good luck to them and a good luck to the american people under them <laughs> and uh you know so uh you know one of them will be um will be anointed on or near my birthday which may be on the cusp of aquarius and capricorn um it's always been the way that um Great things happen in American history uh, uh, at the same time as my my natal day. And and that's great, isn't it? I don't know what I'm waffling on about. We did at one point, we did at one point, did we not, start to read the immensely tedious, in my opinion. Perhaps it was the way I was doing it. I think it was. It was the way I was doing it. Look, it's getting dark. It's not even five o'clock yet. It's quarter to five. It's dark outside. I thought, well, I might as well knock this on the head. But, um, you know, I think we're in the at the point in the fall of the House of Usher or the Usher of the House of Fall or whatever it was, we are at the point where they've just nailed down uh poor old Madeline Usher, whatever her name is, um, the bloke's sister, into her coffin down in the crypt. It's all been a bit gruesome, but they seem to take things like that a bit... Um, a bit better than we do. Uh, we're a bit into the uh, safetyism of um, the risk-averse safetyism of modern life. But then, you know, they'd wander down the crypt. Nothing would seem to put them off. You know, Vincent Price in the Hammer films. You know, only the most extreme things would um, would upset them. You know, uh, Vincent Price, um, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, you know, Fenella Fielding. All those people. Do I mean Fenella Fielding? A uh, Fenella, anyway so we replaced and we screwed down the lid and having secured the door of iron of the crypt of the burial uh, family burial crypt made our way with toil into the scarcely less gloomy apartments of the upper portion of the house all done in gloomy farrow and ball lichen and algae colors or algae colors you know those you know Would you like Farrow and Ball number forty-six, Macabre Green, or would you like um, number forty-two, Cadaver Yellow? It's our new range of death colours from Farrow and Ball. Do you have anything in, you know, Pinata Orange? No, sir. That would be a Dulux you're after. We do have several thousand shades of grey and beige. Oh, Splendid beige, Yeah, but we don't call it beige, sir. So we call it... We call it Titian Brown. Ah, do you? Yes, good. Uh, and now, some days of bitter grief having elapsed, an observable change came over the features of the mental disorder of my friend. What a mouthful that is. His ordinary manner had vanished. His ordinary occupations were neglected or forgotten. His Lego tank lay unfinished beside his ottoman he roamed what a! don't even sound sober but i am sadly can you imagine what i'm like when i'm drunk he roamed from chamber to chamber with hurried unequal and objectless step the pallor of his countenance had assumed if possible a more ghastly hue that's number 42 ghastly who call it blue but the luminousness of his eye had utterly gone out. So's mine rapidly. The one once occasional huskiness of tone was heard no more of his tone, and a tremulous quaver, as a, a draft catching his snacks in the bowl, a tremulous quaver, as if of extreme terror, habitually characterised his utterance. I just said those words. I haven't paused to Work out what they mean. There were times, indeed, when I thought his unceasingly agitated mind was labouring with some oppressive secret, to divulge which he struggled for the necessary courage. At times, again, I was obliged to resolve all into the mere inexplicable vagaries of madness, for I beheld him gazing upon vacancy for long hours, as the public toilets, staring at the door, engaged vacant, in an attitude of the profoundest attention, as if listening to some imaginary sound. It was no wonder that his condition terrified that it infected me. I felt, Was that, autopilot? It was no wonder that his condition terrified that it infected me, I felt creeping upon me by slow yet certain degrees the wild influences of his own fantastic yet impressive superstitions. It was especially upon retiring to bed late in the night of the seventh or eighth day after the placing of the Lady Madeline within the Donjon Dungeon, that I experienced the full power of such feelings. Sleep came not near my couch. I often think that at night. Sleep came not near my couch or indeed my coach my uh, my sleep coach uh, while the hours waned and waned away just have a little drink here I've gone unwontedly dry (coughs) splendid sleep came not near my couch while the hours waned and waned away I struggled to reason off the nervousness which had dominion over me. I endeavoured to believe that much, if not all, of what I felt was due to the bewildering influence of the gloomy furniture of the room. <laughs> yet yeah, it was the furniture. Dark and gloomy that made me feel like there was something very odd going on. That's why we all want um, white IKEA furniture... <laughs> because it's so cheerful in a sort of cool, scandic way. Of the dark and tattered draperies, tell me about it, we've got them here. I'm staring at a pair of tattered draperies here, as as hand-distressed by descendants of Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, there's a rather curious uh, red drapes here they could do with replacing. Um, they were here when we came, and, um, you know, a bit like in a sort of... Castle owned by Dracula, they, they they sit there holding out the light, but they're fraying and rather, I think they're red velvet, but they're a little bit of, bit, a bit grand guignol, if that's a word. I endeavoured to believe that much, if not all, of what I felt was due to the bewildering influence of the gloomy ash of the Rome. Of the dark and tattered draperies, which, tortured into motion by the breath of a rising tempest, swayed fitfully to and fro upon the walls and rustled uneasily about the decorations of the bed. Tinsel, mainly, and a few lucky gonks. But my efforts were fruitless. An irrepressible tremor gradually pervaded my frame. Oh, not again. And at length there sat upon my very heart an incubus of utterly causeless alarm. Yep, that's happened to me. Shaking this off with a gasp and a struggle, that's happened to me, I uplifted myself upon the pillows and peering earnestly within the intense darkness of the chamber, hearkened, I know not why, except that an instinctive spirit, Midori, the melon liqueur, prompted me to certain low and indefinite sounds which came through the pauses of the storm at long intervals. I knew not whence. I'm glad that sentence is over it. It um, it held me in its, uh, in its power, in its web of um, complicated syntax. Overpowered by an intense sentiment of horror, unaccountable yet unendurable, I threw on my clothes with haste, for I felt that I should sleep no more during the night. Sleep no more. And endeavour to arouse myself from the pitiable condition into which I had fallen by pacing rapidly to and fro through the apartment. To and fro through the apartment. I had taken but few turns in this manner, when a light step on an adjoining staircase arrested my attention. I presently recognised it as that of Usher. In an instant afterwards he rapped, like a raven, with a gentle touch at my door, and entered, bearing a lamp. Darkness there and nothing more. Here I opened wide the door. Once upon a midnight, blah, blah, blah. His countenance was, as usual— cadaverously wan that's one of those max factor foundation colors isn't it oh, do you have cadaverously wan number 6 but moreover there was a species of mad hilarity in his eyes an evidently restrained hysteria in his whole demeanor his air appalled me i shoved in a glade plug in but anything was preferable to the solitude which I had so long endured, and I even welcomed his presence as a relief. "'And you have not seen it,' he said abruptly, after having stared about him for some moments in silence. "'You have not seen it, then. You have not, then, seen it. But stay, you shall.' Thus speaking, and having carefully shaded his lamp, he hurried to one of the casements and threw it freely open to the storm— the impetuous fury of the entering gust nearly lifted us from our feet. It was indeed a tempestuous <whistles> It was indeed a tempestuous I can't say it carry on. Yet sternly beautiful night and one wildly singular in its terror and in its beauty. A whirlwind had apparently collected its force in our vicinity for there were frequent and violent alterations in the direction of the wind, and the exceeding density of the clouds, which hung so low as to press upon the turrets of the house, did not prevent our perceiving the lifelike velocity with which they flew careering from all points against each other without passing away into the distance. I say that even their exceeding density did not prevent our perceiving this. You did say that— Yet we had no glimpse of the moon or stars, nor was there any flashing forth of the lightning. But the undersurfaces of the huge masses of agitated vapour, as well as all terrestrial objects immediately around us, were glowing in the unnatural light of a faintly luminous and distinctly visible gaseous exhalation, which hung about and enshrouded the mansion. That'll teach him to eat pickled onions.' Late at night. An obvious and poorly delivered gag. It's all in the t t timing, you know. You must not, you shall not behold this, said I, shuddering, to Usher, as I led him with a gentle violence from the window to a seat. These appearances which bewilder you are merely electrical phenomena, not uncommon. Or it may be that they have their ghastly origin in the rank miasma of the tarn, or miasma. Let us close this casement. Fit the best, fit Everest. The air is chilling and dangerous to your frame. Here is one of your favourite romances It's Thornbirds by Colleen McCulloch. God, where did I retrieve that from? <laughs> I hesitate to think. I will read and you shall listen, and so we will pass away this terrible night together. And so they commenced with Thornbirds by someone McCulloch. Not sure it is. Colleen. Col- I said it, now I can't remember it five seconds then. The mind is a strange thing. It's like the Loch Ness monster poking its head up from time to time and then disappearing really quickly, and you can't get it back again. The antique volume which I had taken up was not Thornbirds by. Thorn Birds by Colleen McCulloch, but was the mad tryst of Sir Lancelot Canning. But I had called it a favourite of ushers, more in sad jest than in earnest, for in truth there is little in its uncouth and unimaginative prolixity, you can talk, mate, which could have had interest for the lofty and spiritual ideality of my friend. It was, however, the only book immediately at hand, apart from the Thompson's Gazette, and I indulged a vague hope that the excitement which now agitated the hypochondriac might find relief for the history of mental disorder is full of similar anomalies, even in the extremeness of the folly which I should read. Could I have judged, indeed, by the wild, overstrained air of vivacity with which he hearkened, or apparently hearkened, to the words of the tale— I might well have congratulated myself upon the success of my design. I had arrived at that well-known portion of the story where Ethelred, the hero of the tryst, having sought in vain for peaceable admission into the dwelling of the hermit, Oi, let me in! Hermit, open up! Proceeds to make good an entrance by force. Here it will be remembered. The words of the narrative run thus— and Ethelred, who was by nature of a doughty heart, and who was by now mighty withal, on account of the powerfulness of the wine which he had drunken, Buckfast, waited no longer to hold parley with the hermit, who in sooth was of an obstinate and maliceful turn. They often can be hermits, I find. But feeling the rain upon his shoulders, and fearing the rising of the tempest, uplifted his mace outright, and also his cinnamon, and with blows made quickly room in the plankings of the door for his gauntleted hand—the plankings of the door—and now, pulling therewith sturdily, he so cracked and ripped and tore all asunder that the noise of the dry and hollow-sounding wood alarmed and reverberated throughout the forest. At the termination of this sentence I started—I started, and for a moment paused— for it appeared to me, although I at once concluded that my excited fancy had deceived me—excited fancies by Mister Kipling—it appeared to me that from some very remote portion of the mansion, there came, indistinctly to my ears, what might have been, in its exact similarity of character, the echo, but a stifled and dull one certainly, of the very cracking and ripping sound which Sir Lancelot had so particularly described crack. It was, beyond doubt, the coincidence alone which had arrested my attention. For amid the rattling of the sashes of the casements—fit the best, fit Everest—and the ordinary commingled noises of the still-increasing storm, the sound in itself had nothing, surely, which should have interested or disturbed me. I continued the story. But the good champion Ethelred, now entering within the door— ah, yes, it's the hermit's door, I remember now, was sore enraged. You can get a cream for that, and amazed to perceive no signal of the maliceful hermit. But in the stead thereof, a dragon of a scaly and prodigious demeanour, and of a fiery tongue which sat in guard before a palace of gold, not the tongue, but the rest of the dragon as well, with a floor of silver, and upon the wall there hung a shield of shining brass, with this legend enwritten Who entereth herein a conqueror hath been? Who slayeth the dragon? The shield he shall win. And Ethelred uplifted his mace and struck upon the head of the dragon, which fell before him, and gave up his pesty breath. With a shriek so horrid and harsh, and with all so piercing, that Ethelred had feigned to close his ears with his hands against the dreadful noise of it, the like whereof was never before heard. Louis' pesty breath. I suppose dragons probably do have pesty breath. Those pesky dragons, with their pesty breath. Here again I paused abruptly, and now with a feeling of wild amazement, for there could be no doubt whatever that, in this instance, I did actually hear, although from what direction it proceeded I found it impossible to say, a low and apparently distant but harsh, protracted and most unusual screaming or grating sound. The exact counterpart of what my fancy had already conjured up, for the dragon's unnatural shriek, as described by the romancer. Oppressed, as I certainly was, upon the occurrence of this second and most extraordinary coincidence, by a thousand conflicting sensations in which wonder and extreme terror were predominant—you can tell I am just reading this without even thinking what I am saying—I still retained sufficient presence of mind to avoid, exciting by any observation, the sensitive nervousness of my companion. I was by no means certain that he had noticed the sounds in question Although, assuredly, a strange alteration had, during the last few minutes, taken place in his demeanour, his bloody demeanour, always changing. He's got more moods than a woman, as someone once memorably said to me, quite correctly. From a position fronting my own, he had gradually brought round his chair so as to sit with his face to the door of the chamber. And thus I could partially perceive his features, although I saw that his lips trembled as if he were murmuring inaudibly. His head had dropped upon his breast, yet I knew that he was not asleep from the wide and rigid opening of the eye as I caught a glance of it in profile. (coughs) Excuse me. The motion of his body, too, was at variance, was at variance with this idea, for he rocked from side to side with a gentle yet constant and uniform sway. I tend to do that sometimes— Having rapidly taken notice of all this, I resumed the narrative of Sir Lancelot, or Launcelot, as it seems to be spelled here. Excuse me, which thus proceeded. <coughs> so excitable this narrative, interwoven with the other narrative. And now I'm sure there's a literary word for that, but I don't know what it is. Um, and now the champion, having is, es- and now the champion having escaped from the terrible fury of the dragon. Bethinking himself of the brazen shield and of the breaking up of the enchantment which was upon it, removed the carcass from out of the way, didn't put up much of a fight this dragon before him, and approached valorously over the silver pavement of the castle to where the shield was upon the wall, which in sooth tarried not for his full coming, but fell down at his feet upon the silver floor, with a great with a mighty great and terrible ringing sound. Does anyone remember the uh, very frightening, the singing ringing tree? It still causes the occasional nightmare, I'm sure, in my generation. Very frightening fairy tale from, I think, the Czech Republic, or perhaps... I can't remember. Was it Czech? Maybe. No sooner had these syllables passed my lips than, as if a shield of brass had indeed at the moment fallen heavily upon a floor of silver, I became aware of a distinct hollow metallic and clangorous—nothing to do with the soup-dragon, yet apparently muffled reverberation. Completely unnerved, I leapt to my feet— but the measured rocking movement of Usher was undisturbed. He was like a metronome. I rushed to the chair in which he sat. His eyes were bent fixedly before him, and throughout his whole countenance there reigned a stony rigidity. But as I placed my hand upon his shoulder, there came a strong shudder over his whole person. A sickly smile quivered about his lips, and I saw that he spoke in a low, hurried, and gibbering murmur—I guess gibbering, as if unconscious of my presence. Bending closely over him, I at length drank in the hideous import of his words. I understood what he said. I understood what he said. Not hear it? Yes, I hear it, and have heard it long, 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 many minutes, many hours, many days have I heard it, yet I dared not. Oh, pity me,
1: miserable wretch that I am, I dared not, I dared not speak we have put her living in the tomb, said I not that my senses were acute. I now tell you that I have heard her first feeble movements in the hollow coffin. I heard them many, many days ago, yet I dared not, I dared not speak. And now, to-night, <laughs> the breaking of the hermit's door, and the death-cry of the dragon, and the clangor of the shield, say rather, the rending of her coffin, and the grating of the iron hinges of her prison, and her struggles within the coppered archway of the vault. Whither shall I fly? Will she not be here anon? Is she not hurrying to upbraid me for my haste? Have I not heard her footstep on the stair? Do I not— "'Distinguish that heavy and horrible beating of her heart. "'Madman!'
0: "'Here he sprang furiously to his feet "'and shrieked out his syllables, "'as if in the effort he were giving up his
1: soul. "'Madman! "'I tell you that she now stands without the door.'
0: "'As if in the superhuman energy of his utterance "'there had been found the potency of a spell.' the unique—what?—the huge antique panels to which the speaker pointed through slowly back upon the instant their ponderous and ebony jaws. It was the work of the rushing gust. But then, without those doors, there did stand the lofty and enshrouded figure of the Lady Madeline of Usher, There was blood upon her white robes, and the evidence of some bitter struggle upon every portion of her emaciated frame. For a moment she remained trembling and reeling to and fro upon the threshold. Then, with a low moaning cry, fell heavily inward upon the person of her brother, and in her violent and now final death agonies bore him to the floor a corpse, "'and a victim to the terrors he had anticipated. At "'A noisy vehicle outside. "'From that chamber and from that mansion I fled, aghast. "'The storm was still abroad in all its wrath "'as I found myself crossing the old causeway. "'Suddenly there shot along the path a Vauxhall Astra, by the sound of it. "'Suddenly there shot along the path a wild light.' and I turned to see whence a gleam so—kindle—kindle, come on—so unusual could have issued. For the vast house and its shadows were alone behind me. The radiance was that of the full setting and blood-red moon, which now shone vividly through that once barely discernible fissure of which I have before spoken— I was extending from the roof of the building in a zigzag direction to the base. While I gazed, this fissure rapidly widened. There came a fierce breath of the whirlwind. The entire orb of the satellite burst at once upon my sight. My brain reeled as I saw the mighty walls rushing asunder, "'There was a long, tumultuous shouting sound like the voice of a thousand waters, "'and the deep and dank tarn at my feet closed sullenly and silently "'over the fragments of the house of Usher. "'Well, Well, I suppose we're to take from that that the house fell down "'when Madeline um, burst out of her tomb.' And um, why it should do so? Perhaps subsidence or subsidence, depending on you say subsidence, I say subsidence. Perhaps it was that, a poor surveyor's report. Um, A little crack in your architrave can suddenly betray you and uh, your whole house, be it never so old or sturdy, can collapse into your pond, killing your pet shabunkin Norman. Um, so yes, be warned, always, uh, get a architect or a surveyor to double check if you're about to buy a house, a creaking old pile in, uh, Massachusetts or Michigan, wherever this is set, Arizona, possibly, or Pennsylvania, one of those troublesome states. And, um, yes, how, uh, exciting was that? well not really i don't think because um so madeline is buried alive is she and uh, she scrobbles away in the inside of her casket and then eventually you know jemmy's her way out and this occasions the um so she was buried alive by mistake on purpose who knows they're a miserable lot the ushers and um and the man who was invited round, uh, you know, to the house party, flees, and that's the end. So that sort of gloomy, what's it called? A gloomy, um, gothic, gothic sort of plot, but rather, rather dissatisfying. You can imagine being a sort of, oh, Edgar Allan Poe. He's got his new um, stories come out in the magazine, you know, gothic, gothic realm. Edition number fourteen. And here we are sitting round with the Colonel, uh, Mr. Perkins, and you know, and they just sit there by candlelight reading these things, and you get to the end and you think, oh my god. Uh how depressing was that? You know, hopefully they read a little bit of um Little House on the Prairie or um Little Women as a as a special thing to cheer them up before they went to bed. But that sort of Victorian gloom. Oh, yes, I've been in mourning for the last 72 years. I've been in these uh, black boxer shorts for 72 years. Such is the custom of the town. And, um, you know, I am able to take them off every 100 years for a quick boil wash. But, yes, they were desperate about all that sort of locks of hair and uh, things made out of the dead person's hair. And then all those House of Usher things, similar stories about, you know... um, that fear of being buried alive, um, understandable. I expect because there were probably lots of anecdotal, anecdotal stories, and then there's all these sort of contraptions that they set up—bells and pulleys and things—just in case you had a bit of a limb twitch after you'd been, uh, been uh, you know, put down underground. And um, so there we are. Um, these are funny times are they not we've still got the case demic running abroad um the huge desire to test everybody with the inadequate some would say pcr test which is run at 45 cycles and as the um eminent dr fauci himself says don't run it at any more than 30 cycles or you might um you might uh fail to diagnose anything and um So that's a bit odd. The case-demic's still running on. We're into a period of the seasonality of respiratory diseases. um, And we're living in the UK with a government who feels that it can ride roughshod over people's liberties and freedoms. Well, we might be able to give you Christmas. You can bugger off. I'll have Christmas when and where and with whom I like. And I think everyone should be of the opinion that, uh, you know, you can't rest our, our liberties and our... Freedoms available to us under the common law for so many centuries and eons and millennia, right back to Ethelred's time. Um did he burn the cakes or was he unready to burn the cakes? I can't quite remember. Anyway, you know, um it's an odd old world when all our freedoms are wrenched from us and nobody says anything. The legal profession, what are they doing? I mean, who knows? Anyway, that's about me before. Before they send the Robocops round, um, I'd better stop uh, broadcasting. And um, before I get the uh, mandatory mandatory vaccine that they've only had um, in production, in 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 um, development, supposedly since January. Does anyone believe that? Not sure. I'm not sure. I believe that it's only been in development since January. Um, people saying, "Oh, it might be ready by Christmas." Nah, I don't think that's going to happen because everyone else has got to have their heads in the trough, all the other big pharmaceutical companies, uh, who we believe their only interest in it, their only benign interest in it, is to get everyone vaccinated for their own health and welfare. Again, I don't believe that for a moment. It's all about money and uh, profit and sharing it round among the sort of happy happy clappy bill gates pharmaceutical um pharmaceutical people isn't it i don't know bill gates why is he in charge man with a lot of money ends up in charge is he a doctor is melinda a nurse who knows these are all questions we should be asking ourselves What do we trust? Who do we trust? Where is the narrative coming from? Why is everyone singing from the same hymn sheet across the world? Why are we marching in lockstep to the uh, apparent programme of people like Sir Klaus Schwab and uh, Prince Charles and uh, Schwab? Klaus Schwab. Now there's a name I trust. Is it safe? Uh, Klaus Schwab. Uh, Is it safe? Anyway, that's me going slightly mad. Perhaps it's the lockdown lockdown i don't know farewell thanks for listening um oh by the way yes i was going to say a dull and tedious thing i was going to say if anyone wants to make any comments you know say i'm mad or whatever i'm happy to delete your comment from uh, a twitter account of mine called where is it it's called classic breakdown it's on twitter it's got the same sort of cover with the sports car classic breakdown mg i think and it's at classic break do one classic break do one classic break do one no it's called classic breakdown picture of the sports car if you want to comment so that's the channel on which to comment If you want to say I'm really dangerous in what I'm saying about vaccines because we should all take them regardless of how little they've had R&D and uh, how how little the um, actual uh, tests have gone. Blah, 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 blah. Thanks for talking. See you soon. Bye. We'll have to think of something better to do than uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Or maybe there's better things. Do suggest them. On classic Break Do One, uh, that's the numeral one, um, if you can find it. Bye.